What's up, boxing fans? We have another show coming up to you March 25th at the Grand Villa Casino, the takeover to the uprising. Tickets are available on our website, empireboxing.live. Go ahead and reserve them early. This show will sell out. Not only that, but we are launching a watch party of the takeover at the Hollywood Theater on March 1st. Tickets will be available very soon, also on our website through Eventbrite. You're not going to want to miss this as we're going to have a live press conference with the athletes coming for the takeover to the uprising as well. An Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jay, and I have, I don't know, even a better voice than my own on here today. I don't know if I'm happy about this or a little bit jealous, but we got the golden voice, Don Andrews, on the mic. Welcome to the studio, Don. Thanks, Jay, for having me. I'm just kidding. I'm actually extremely excited to hear your voice like in surround sound for the next like hour. <laughs> Excellent. We could get tired of it after a while, but... Really? Yep. You think? Yep. Is your wife a shh? All the time. Really? Especially when we're shopping. <laughs> She's like, you have no volume control at all. You have no volume. I can be standing two miles over yeah. and, and ask her if we need something. Amazing. And, and she'll be like, we don't we don't need that. See, Just, for... Sh- for me, it feels like it feels like this, like pleasant, like my like my whole life would be being narrated for me right. or something. Do you right. ever? Okay, so be real. Do you ever play with it? Uh, like you so, guys are cooking dinner and you're like, she gently stirs the pan. Kind of. But there, there's two really great stories. My wife just told this story actually recently. Okay. Uh, we had just begun dating. Yeah. We are at the beach one day and we're having a beer. And I have the beer in my hand, and as I'm looking at the beer, I'm reading it. The you know, the crisp hops and, and the barley and the oats and oh, the, yeah. and the malt and, uh, and how it all comes uh, together. Yeah. And it's delicious. Uh-huh. And this head popped up from the other side of the log and the guy went, what are you, what are you <laughs> drinking, man? Cause that sounds delicious. And it's happened. It's and you're happened like, a couple you take times. cash only. Thank you. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I felt like, I felt bad. I kind of looked around. I felt like I should reach for, well, it's, it's this here. Yeah. That's so Have good. One of these. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get, how did you get started as a, like, would you consider call yourself a voice actor? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I am. Uh, What's I'm, the official title that encapsulates all that you do? Voice talent. Okay. Um, because you, you're an actor and you're an announcer and you're a character. There's so and so there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of layers to it. So um, I think in the industry, we like to refer to it as voice talent. Voice talent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, so how did you get started as a voice talent? Funny enough, I didn't really do much of anything with my voice until I was like 30. Okay. Yeah. For those first real formative years and stuff, everybody kept telling me over and over again, you should be in radio. You should work in radio. You should work in radio. Yeah, I bet. And, and the idea is, is there, but it never really crosses your mind. You never, unless you're around someone else that really works in it, is in it, and is showing you how it, it, it is on a daily basis. Right. It's not something you think about necessarily. So I didn't really think about it. And then I started uh, walking past a broadcasting school in the area that I lived in, mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? I'm going to go in and if I can get some schooling, I'm, I'm going to work in radio. Cool. And I went in, I spoke to the administrator who we are still friends to this day, her and I, uh, and, uh, I sat down at the desk and and I said to her, look, if I qualify for, for schooling, then I'm going to go. But I said, I I don't know. I'm not super confident. And she said, well, you're going to get all the money, all the funding, all the grants, everything you need. You'll be in school in two and a half weeks. And I said, oh, come on. I wish I had the same confidence. Yeah. And in two weeks, I got a phone call and was fully funded to go to broadcasting school. And so what were the factors that they were determining whether funding would be granted? Well, age was a factor. Okay. Uh, age was a real factor. It's surprisingly, uh, a lot of the people that were in my class were between 19 and 25. Yeah. And I was just at 30, 31 when I was starting it. So they kind of look at you with a different mindset. Mm, they like- think, okay. More, a little bit more serious. You know what you're doing. Ch- 
You kind okay. of might have a, a route, right. even. So, and I did. I knew that I wanted to do it. Right. Uh, I just, at the time had no idea how to get to that point. Uh, then went into the school, spoke to her, got all my funding, went to school, wow. and uh, yeah, it was meant to be. Some may say it was terrific. Oh, that's terrific. fantastic. Yeah. And what was your first? Do you remember what your first gig was? Like first gig as far as radio? Like something you booked as a voice talent, your oh, very voice first talent. Thing. Oh boy. Um, the first really big one was a Crayola commercial. Oh, cool. That I did. Yeah. Uh, especially, which was really cool having kids at the time. Yeah. Uh, because it was like this Crayola color alive marker sort of thing. Right. Uh, it, that was that was a lot of fun. That Come was here, son. Daddy's going to show you some. Might, See that crayon? He just immediately wanted. <laughs> what is that? And can I have one of yeah, those? Yeah, it was like the thing. beer, the guy, the, the beach. Oh my God, totally. That's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So. And then talk to us about your journey into radio as well. Like, how did that come to be and, and unfold? Uh, in school, mm-hmm. um, there was a radio station that had flipped formats, mm-hmm. and suddenly they were playing Christmas music all the time. What month is this? Uh, it, it was like late November, okay. early December. So it wasn't, it wasn't that threat of, <laughs> oh, you're going to have to listen to Christmas music for the next 37 days. I thought we were days. talking like July or something here. I'm like, bold move. Not quite, but it was, okay. it was like mid-November. And yeah. it was enough that it made me notice. So I went to my instructor and I said, hey, this radio station just turned to all Christmas. And it's like mid-November. What's up? And yeah. he said, they're probably going to change formats. And I said, oh, what do you, like, like a totally new radio station? And he said, yeah, yeah, hundred mm. percent. And I said, so how do I get in? And he said, you start calling these people. Mm. So I started making phone calls. Right. And I just never quit until somebody answered my phone call. Yeah. And eventually I spoke to this lovely lady by the name of Doreen Copeland. And Doreen uh, was the one that really just kind of, you know, she was the, the, the lock to my key. Really. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I said to her, uh, I'm in school. I, I'm, I'm doing this stuff and I want to be in this industry. What, what do I have to do? I said, I'll volunteer. A volunteer yeah. on your morning show. I know you're about to do this format flip. Everything's about to be brand new. I want to be a part of it. And she said, okay, well, we'll sit on it. And I waited. I waited like six weeks and I got a phone call like six weeks later. Yeah. Uh, I think it was into January almost. Wow. And I get a phone call and she says, hey, listen, we've picked out our morning show crew and they are okay having an intern come in. So mm. we'd like to bring you in if mm. you're interested. And I said, of course, of course I am. Uh, so I was getting up five o'clock in the morning, going to the morning show, working from six till about eight thirty or nine. Right. Then I go to broadcasting school from nine thirty till about three, and then I worked in the neighborhood from three till about ten. Mm. You know, I go home and I go to sleep. I get up the next morning. I go back to the radio station five o'clock in the morning, and I did that for like six months. Yeah. And then uh, they offered me a job. Wicked. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those. Was there any times during that grind where you're like, mm, I don't know if if, if it's all going to amount to something like? Did you, or did you know, you're like, come on. There's a big part of you that, that like doubt creeps in. We all know yeah. that doubt creeps in, yeah, but I knew what I wanted. Yeah. Like I really knew what I wanted um, compared to, it, if I compared myself to the people that I was in class with, right? they weren't as motivated. I mm. think that's the best term. There was, there was three or four of us that were as they termed us, mature students, which right. whatever, you, yeah. you call it as you will. Um, those of us, we went into the industry and we all worked right. uh, for, for quite a few years. The, the younger students that were there, didn't, it wasn't that they didn't go into the industry, mm. but they went into the industry in different spots. They right. went into the industry in things like promotions and street teams and your entry level stuff. Right. right? Um, I got an opportunity to do an on-air shift before mm-hmm. I was even done schooling. 
Yeah. So of course I jumped on every opportunity that I had. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's very cool. It's like, and I mean, like, let's think about it between like 18 and 28 are like your kind of formidable years of discovery as well. Yeah. You're like touristing different things. How does it feel to be here? How does it feel to be there? What am I going to do here? Like, you know, so at that, at that age, I don't think you really know. And it's not even fair to say that you should really know what you want to do. So I think when people are probably selecting like, okay, well, who do we want to acquisition? It's probably the people that you know they can they can bet there's going to be some longevity in 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 a career because right. it does seem like people in that industry as well invest in you and take a chance on you and that kind of thing as well for sure and and there's lots of young people that come into the industry and have tremendous amounts of talent and and can go right into radio right away yeah my experience is is just relevant to the the class that I was with right. I've seen people that are 19 20 21 22 years old enter radio and be phenomenal right yeah good communicators are good communicators. Right. And so I was just going to ask you, so what is the criteria to be good in radio? Good communicator. Okay. Like it's really weird because you got to be able to have a conversation like you and I are having, right. but in an empty room with nobody. Right. And nobody's there to answer you. Mm -hmm. Right. You're, so you're having, you're having this conversation almost in your head. Mm. You're, you're putting out this information. It's, it's this, it's really strange because it's a, it's really a, you develop a lot of one-sided conversations is what you do. Mm. You, you develop your material Opinion to be pieces. delivered. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You deliver it in a way that it's information, but not all of the information, right? right? You put it out there, but it's just people, there's enough, there's, there's enough missing that mm. people want to listen, mm. right? So being a good communicator really was the key. That was what was told to me mm -hmm. when I first started broadcasting school. Mm -hmm. They said, the key to this is just to be able to sit like you and I are doing right now and be able to have a conversation with another person is it, it, it it's fundamentals. Mm. It's one of those fundamentals. So I'm so curious what the learning syllabus behind communication is. Because I mean, isn't that the key to unlocking like productive humanity is communication? So how does one teach communication? What is the syllabus involved in that? And then let's package it's, it. Well, that's so. a, I think <laughs> it has to be more of a natural thing though. And ah. I think that's why when you see the people that are successful, you see those people that are naturally gifted at conversation, at communication, yeah. at being able to engage people because you're engaging with, again, you're, you're engaging with a microphone. Yeah. Right. Staring into a microphone like this yeah. with, with very little around you. Yeah. So, so would you, would you also, could you say that's X factor? Like what we did, what we deem X factor is when it comes to personality and, you know, um, charisma or all the things that encompass someone who is engaging. Is that more or less the same thing? And then how do you teach that? Are, are you suggesting you either kind of got it or you don't? Kind of, you know, you, you yeah. know, you know, the people that are really successful, mm. you know, the people that are in radio and have been in radio for an extended amount of mm. time and you know them by name mm -hmm. because they're good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Even if they leave a radio station in one city and they move to another radio station in the same city, it's a really good indicator that they're a very good communicator. Right. Cause yeah. in a lot of cases, when you work somewhere, I had a short state in radio, mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to leave and I was given opportunities to go to other places, Right. but I didn't want to leave. Ah. And if you're willing to leave, the opportunities are out there. Right. But if you're staying, then it kind of, you know, it narrows it a little bit. Okay. So. And so what was, uh, what was your reasoning for not wanting to stay? Um, my wife and I just met. Okay. And I said, uh, Hey, I, I, here's this opportunity. I'm working in radio and, and radio was fun. I have a great story about when my wife and I first met in radio. Which too. we want to hear. Well, of course we will. Okay. Uh, and I said, you know, if you're, if you're interested, uh, I've been offered, uh, an opportunity to either go to like Victoria 
or Red Deer or Antigonish, Nova Scotia. Ooh, what a list. And she said, <laughs> and she said, I'll visit you. Yeah. <laughs> Something just didn't even skip Red a beat, right? right? And I was like, see you in a bit. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. But I mean, she was a keeper. So we, we, we are first dating and I'm working, I end up working at Jack FM. I get okay. a job working at Jack FM, uh, doing the, the weekends. So I want to be the cool guy. So I invite her in and I say, come and, and, and hang out with me on a Saturday while I do my show. Mm-hmm. So she does, she comes in and, uh, she sits next to me and I'm doing the show and everything's great. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I bumped the deal. Sorry. And, uh, um, there's a phone. There is actually a phone in the radio station. Yeah. Now I'm not sure if these exist still. I'm sure they do, but there's like, like a, a hot, real landline. There's like a hotline. Wow. Phone. And when that phone rings, yeah. something's wrong, like wrong. Oh, it's Seriously not like, wrong. it's, Hey, Mr. DJ. There's no reason the for on. that to Ooh, be ringing. Okay. So, uh, we are sitting there and as far as I know, the show is going and it's, it's out on the airwaves and, uh, the, that phone rings Mm. and I immediately panic and, and pick up the phone and hello. And the other end of the line is, well, there's nothing coming out on the air. It's just dead air. Oh no. And I'm like, but it's like, it's happening here in the room. I can hear it. Yeah. They're like, but it doesn't matter because it's not being broadcast out. Right. So I hang up the phone and I call up the technician really quick in the building and I say, hi, what's going on? He says, I'll be down in a minute. Walks in the room, walks right over to where my wife is sitting. Oh no. And flips the switch that she turned off with her leg. She hit a switch with her leg that was like a, it was an amp. Oh, that, that basically the eject was, button. In a sense, the in the a shutdown. Set, the shutdown. Dang. Yep. Oh, poor no, thing. No big, no big protective thing over top. No, yeah. none of that. No, just yeah, like do not touch with the yeah. panel, like, like in a the light cartoons. Switch. Oh. Just look like a light switch. Oh, just. so she probably felt so bad. It was terrific. Yeah. She's yeah. just kind of like, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So. Okay. So then you decided not to go because you met this girl who was not interested in Red Deer for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. Yeah. And then what happened? Um, I decided that radio just wasn't for me. Okay. I, I, and, and I, I never really closed the door a hundred percent on it mm. because I love the idea of it. It was one of the greatest jobs I ever had. Uh, terrific people, mm. uh, really just a, a real family feel to it. Yeah. But there's such volatility behind the business and you can really only last for so long. And if you're willing to go to those small places and work your way up, right. then, then it's good for you. But if you're not, then. It's really not the best thing in the world. So, so I decided I would be a, a voice actor and, and voice talent. Yeah. Yeah. And so. then, so after you kind of made that, made that choice, what did you have to do from a, I guess like a agent management perspective to sort of get your foot in different avenues? Well, funny enough, I was, I started being a ring announcer before oh. I actually became a voice actor. Wicked. Which is the weird part. Um, and how did, okay, so and park on that. How did that start? Um, I am working at a, uh, I, I used to work for an audiovisual company. Okay. I, was, I was an AV technician for a company. And we did duplicates. We would take your old VHS tapes and we'd duplicate them into some digital format. And this hulking man, just a massive, massive human being of a man comes in the door one day and he's big and yeah. he's big and he's got giant hands like lunch boxes and, yeah. and he's sweating and he puts these tapes down on the counter and he slides them over and says, ah, I need copies of these. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, so I take, take down his in. Yeah, <laughs> sir, like. yes, sir. And they're free yeah. if you like them. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. He, was, he was a very, very large and intimidating man at the time. Yeah. So I write down his information and immediately I'm just, I'm intrigued. 
So I look it up and it turns out it's, uh, his name is Paul Lazenby. Um, Paul was the former Canadian Muay Thai heavyweight champion, uh, among other things. He was right. a pro wrestler. He's a stuntman. He's a unit. He's a massive okay. man. He's a massive Paul. man. So Paul, I, I reach out to Paul and I say to him, Hey man, he brought me these videos of, of him when he was doing, uh, like, um, uh, no holds barred in Japan, like years ago, like, like old school, so it was like game tape Shuto and that sort wow, of stuff. Cool. Right. And, uh, and so he, he brings me these tapes and stuff. And when he bring, when he comes back to pick up the duplicates, I say to him, Hey man, I, I gotta ask, like you're, you're Paul Lazenby, former Canadian Muay Thai heavyweight champion. So yeah. I start talking with him and stuff and, and I, I impart on him that this is something I'm really interested in. Yeah. If there's anything that ever comes across your, your, your desktop that says, Hey man, I need an announcer. I would love to be the guy. Yeah. So he, well, he leaves, thanks out the door. He goes, comes back a few more times for some business. We do some more duplicates for him and stuff. And then he comes in one day and he says to me, Hey, you, you were, you were talking about that. You serious about that? And I said, yeah, of course, of course. He says, well, okay, there's a local guy. I want to get you in, you know, talking to him. So we end up doing this event locally here and, uh, and it turns out really great. Yeah. Turns out good for me. I represent well for Paul, which is a terrific thing. And, uh, a, a few months go by, I get a couple of other smaller events and stuff. And then suddenly my phone rings and Paul says to me, Hey, you have a passport. I said, yeah. He says, okay, well, you're going to New Jersey. I said, oh, okay. He says, yeah, I, I got you a job with Bodog. And I said, oh, okay. All right. I'll get my affairs in order and, you know, tell me what I have to do, where I have to be and where, you know, yeah. when, and I'm there. I'm a yes man. So I end up being flown to New Jersey. I am hired by Bodog to do their New Jersey show. And yeah. there are all these crazy MMA veterans that are on this card and I get the opportunity to do this and it just really snowballed from there. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So had you seen what the, like, had you, had you been to a live combat sporting event or kind of had a sense of what you were going to be required to do oh, yeah. previously? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were like Huge well up for fan. it. Huge okay. So fan. the roots are deep here, Don. Jimmy we, Lennon Jr. Okay. Jimmy Lennon Sr. Talk dirty to Michael me. Buffer. Oh yeah. You know, the, the core, the, those three real core guys yeah. that, that really did lead boxing for a really, really, really long and time. And still. And still, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They're still such an integral part of what goes on. Uh, and they have set the precedent for all of us. They've made such inroads for all of us to do what we mm. do now and for all of us to be able to enjoy it that, oh, it, it's they're who I've modeled myself after since day one. Cool. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That classy Really yeah. clap that really classy, yeah. Um, um, information, yeah. I want to give you information, I don't want to yell in your face, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to feel like you're being assaulted by, by yeah. my words, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to give you some information in an excited way, yeah, right? That's so cool. So, you go to New Jersey, you're stepping into the first, your first sort of combat arena to do some announcing. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, was and, and how did it snowball from there? It was pretty nuts. Yeah. It was pretty nuts. That one is a bit of a blur. Um, do you know who Bob Sheridan is? Tell us. Colonel Bob is one of only- Wait, Colonel Bob. Yeah, Colonel Bob Sheridan. Sorry, my bad. Colonel Bob. Any any relation to the Colonel himself? Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel? Not, not Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel, but okay. Bob is one of only two guys to be inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame wow, okay. as a commentator. Wow. I get the opportunity to work with this guy. 
And cool. it's it, he's like he is really boxing royalty. If you really look up Colonel Bob Sheridan, yeah, uh, those that know, if you know, you know. Shut up, like Colonel you really Bob. Know. Uh, phenomenal guy, wow, really, really terrific cool. guy, and he really he 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 came to me with this real enthusiasm and this real like I really love what you do sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice to 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 feel somebody that had such experience and had been around so many other really yeah. cool, talented and experienced people come to you and go. Hey, I really like what you do. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is really, really cool. Yeah. So a couple of months go by, uh, Bodog books a show in North Vancouver here. Yeah. And we shoot for two days uh in North Vancouver. And they put out the show and and everything goes really well. Everything is is you know rolling along. Yeah. I get involved with uh local organizations here and and I spend like six or seven years working for a local organization and, and helping them all out. And then, uh, I, I've been working with a friend of mine, Darren Owen for years and years and years. Mm. And he calls me one day and he says, Hey man, I got this great opportunity. Mm. Uh, I, I'd love to take you traveling and we want to go do this stuff with the, with world series of fighting global championships. Oh. And of course I say, yes, yes, of course. Let's, let's jump on this. And, uh, the, I, I bring this up because, uh, one of the places that we got to go, we ended up in the Philippines and we ended wow. up at smart Araneta Coliseum Wow, where the thriller in Manila took place Absolutely, and you go there and there are these like, these like 50 foot tall banners wow. of everybody just draped on this building yeah. and you walk in the building and you just, there's just this feel. It's like a Mecca. Oh my God. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. So wow. it was really, really, really neat. And at that point, did you look around and pinch yourself a little bit? Yeah, we had been to Japan yeah. three months before. No, sorry, about eight months before that, yeah. we've been to Japan. And I'm standing in Japan and I'm looking at the list of like legends. I had I had four or five really old school MMA legends on this list that I was about to introduce. And I, I really kind of was like, this is just not real. Tantalize this us. Is just who, not, who, who was on that list? Akihiro Gono was okay. on that list, the Magic Man. Um he said what the Nabi was on that list. Oh, wow. Um, uh, May Ui was on that list from Korea. Um, trying to think of who else. That's awesome. There was, there were some real, yeah. yeah, there were some real cool legends on that one. And, and so just being, even being around that caliber of venue and the caliber of athletes and kind of just that, it, it must've just been an out of body. Yeah, it was amazing. It's amazing. And it's really different yeah. because it's, there when you come here, you go to an event. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the lights go on, as soon as that bell rings, everybody goes crazy. Yeah. In, uh, I start to introduce somebody and the crowd gets right into it. Yeah. And stuff. I've never heard a crowd so quiet in my life. Yeah. I've got video footage of the, the work that I did in Japan. Yeah. And I introduced the fighters and there's a smattering of applause. Yeah. And then they wait. And then they wait for the fight to end and then they get excited. Yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. But not during the introduction. Is that a cultural the, thing, do you think? Is I think so. Yeah, it must yeah. be. They're very respectful. They were very, yeah. like, as the, as the evening went on and as, because uh, we were doing an international thing. So we right. were doing a lot of Japanese versus Brazil fighters and right. France fighters right. and that sort of thing. So as the Japanese fighters started to show more up on the card, they started to get a great deal into it more. For sure. But for, from the very beginning, it was very calm and very quiet. Interesting. And very reserved. And then you're it's, finding those North American audiences are just... Everyone's off the hook. Oh, of course. Yeah, we're also more obnoxious than I think. Right, right. <laughs> we're culturally more obnoxious. So yeah, pleasantly that's a part of it. and lovingly right. more obnoxious. Honestly, yeah. I I couldn't. We couldn't. 
I mean, we wouldn't even be as motivated to do it without the fans and we love, we love the energy. So oh, for sure. Um, for sure. And, and that's something that, you know, you really add to our, our events. And uh, the, did you do ones for the Alliance events before prior? Cause that was the first time I had worked with no. you. So this was your first time with us. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, once we were like, okay, this is our guy. So, um, yeah, it was such a, an ease and it, cause you know, we're on the other side of like white, we've just white knuckled for three months or less. Right. right? right. And we're on the other side of it. Like, is it all going to pan out? There's still a giant question mark, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, it's going to be okay. Everyone's going to have a good night, you know, there's, but there's always shit that hits the fan always. Always, always. And a lot of stuff people don't know about. So, you know, we're over there just like the white knuckle continues until the show ends basically. Right. And then having you there just so calm and, and professional and you you. were very excited about it. It just like, it just brought, especially for me because we worked quite closely together that night. Um, and it just brought like such an ease. I was like, Oh, thank God. You were at ease a, a great deal into the evening, a lot more than you were at the beginning, for, for sure. sure. For sure. When we first met. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we're, you know, we're like in panic mode. Right. There's so much going on. There's so many moving parts at that point. Yeah. Too. The adrenal glands right. are screaming. Right. They're right. screaming. Everything that leads up to getting going is what's the most stressful. It's, yeah. It's what's always stressful for us when I work in game presentation right. in sports. Everything that leads up to the, the, Drop, drop the puck or yeah. the blow of the whistle or the tip of the ball, whatever it is. Yeah. Anything that leads up to that is the most stressful stuff. Yeah. And then everything after that, you just kind of glide through because so it will all automatically happen. It's right? so true. So, and you know what? And even, even like when you, your capacity to put out fires, like as the night goes on and things start going well, you like, you find this like little bit of capacity that just starts to open up. And then when the little fire comes in, you're like, it's okay, I can deal with that. Right. But when you're at the tip of the top limit, like the bucket's yeah. overflowing and there's this thing happening, you're like, I can't have find the room for this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had that, we had the issue with the stool. Do you remember the stool? Yes. The, it'll forever yeah. be known as the stool. The stool, the stool issue. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and like little things like that, we're like, okay, like we'll figure it out. But you know, it, it inevitably something happens, but it was, it was a huge, uh, it was a huge benefit to have your just professionalism I and mean, your experience and oh, your, just your you. energy. So, you know, I really looking forward to doing the next one with you as well, Absolutely. which is coming up in a mere, just over a month. Yeah. Just. Yeah. March 25 is right around the corner the here. Uprising. So. Two. Very excited yep. for this show. Um, yep. and we have. Well, this podcast is going to come out after, but at this point we have eight confirmed bouts. So it's going to be quite Amazing. a night. Oh, excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Quite a night with uh, Rhett Gibbons as the headliner, who he was our co-main for the last right. show. Right. So it should be, it should be a very, and a six rounder for him, a first six rounder. So there's lots of cool things. River Tucker's back. Um, so we have a lot of, we have, I, I, I would like to see personally a female fight or two on every single card oh, that absolutely. we do from, from now on. Absolutely. It's just, River Tucker's fight last time was great. It was a great yeah, fight. Yeah, and er- Erica was a very formidable opponent. Actually, oh, yeah. both of the female fights were extremely competitive. Yeah. Uh, so it's so nice to see that and to see sort of it evolve as we start kind of, you know, bringing different elements in. And uh, right. yeah, so I, I wanted to say that, that it was it was such a pleasure. Oh, to, thank you so much. I enjoy this. Yeah. I really do enjoy this that much. Like I really do. Yeah. I really love this that much. Isn't that so cool when it's, you're like, it's, it's not work. Ever. I'm sorry. It's not. It's difficult. It has ups and downs. Always. But it's not work. I go into every, I, 
I go into every sporting event, mm -hmm. the happiest I'll ever be. Mm -hmm. I'm, I leave happy regardless of whether the team wins, loses, or otherwise. I, I, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. I still get to go to a sporting event. I still get to go have a good time. Mm -hmm. I work with a, a terrific group of people mm -hmm. on, on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm paid to go to sports. Yeah. Like what? Like, right? what more could you ask for? You know, and it is challenging. I've got rugby sevens this weekend. Yeah. Coming, or sorry, is it next it's weekend? A, next the weekend. First, the weekend fourth after. and the fifth, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a challenging weekend for me. It's it's three days of talking for probably seven or eight hours And talk day. to us about what your role is. Like, what, what are you calling that uh, night? Every try and every conversion that's scored by every team. Mm -hmm. And there's a game every 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it, it moves along quickly. Yeah. Uh, international names, Fiji, Samoa, uh, South Africa. Uh, Did you get a list of all of that prior and you have to do your, or are you, are you real time figuring it out? No. So the very first year I did it, yeah. I was given a list of names, uh, like 15 minutes or 20 minutes before I was about to begin. Yeah. And it's very difficult. I wouldn't, there I are, wouldn't even <laughs> want to try. There are some that are, I, I'm very comfortable with. Um, sure. but there are certain names like, uh, a lot of the oceanic names and things, yes. um, Fiji, Samoa, they can be very challenging. And there are certain letters that are not pronounced the way that you yes. think they are. Yeah. And right? certain letters that are there, but don't actually really get involved in the pronunciation of the name at all. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it was a bit of a challenge the very first year. Yeah. And then, uh, every year after that, I am very, very fortunate. I get to spend time with a fellow who knows I played rugby for five years and I learned a great deal when I played. Uh, I get to spend time with a fellow by the name of Gareth, Gareth Rees, mm -hmm. and Gareth knows so much about rugby. Yeah. Uh, he is part of the broadcast crew that travels the world with Rugby Sevens. Wow. So I get to sit with him, and we go over them for about an hour. We go through every single name of every single team, and we he just ensures that I know what I'm doing, right. and it's the nicest thing in the world. I'm so fortunate. That's so cool. You know, it's, these are all the little tidbits that no one really knows is happening behind the scenes, yeah. which is, which is kind of cool. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play, I'm, I am dumb. Actually, I was going to say I'm going to play dumb, but I am dumb. You know, I, I, I grew up watching hockey, right? right? And listening to the, there was always like the voice of the flames and, you know, those, those just absolute legendary voices that if you popped on the radio for a second and had your eyes closed, you'd know exactly who that was and what yep. sport they were calling. And it was yep. that voice that you associated with that team and watching hockey, which is such a nostalgic thing for me growing up. I love, I love hockey. Um, but you don't really know what happened. You only hear these people. You rarely see them. And you don't know what's happening at the desks, at the table, what they're looking at, mm -hmm. what's been put in front of them. Like, are they just ad-limbing real time calling the game because they're so used to it? If so many reps, is there a cheat sheet? Like what happens behind the closed doors? That's what I would love to know. There's usually for me, there's two hours of preparation that goes in every single game. Okay. Um, we are given a, a script. Sometimes it's a digital script. Sometimes it's a script on a piece of paper. Okay. Sometimes it's 16 pages. Sometimes it's 40 pages, w whatever it is. I read every single word of it. Yeah. Every word that pertains to me, I read it. I read it all ahead of time. And that way, the the way that my brain works, mm. I read it. And then somehow my brain can hold on to bits of that information. So that when I go back to read that again, I'm not cold reading it necessarily. Mm. My brain can go, oh, yeah, right. You, you, you kind of gave me a piece of that information earlier. Yeah. So I can go back to it and, and we can recall that. And, and it makes it a little bit easier for me to be able to cold read. I don't like cold reading things. It's very difficult. Right. 
Um, so cold it, anything really. Yeah. So iced coffee. Having I mean. two hours of prep is terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And so, it's necessary. Like it's yeah. so necessary. Yeah. There's no way that's all just cold off the cuff. No, because in in a lot like a lot of broadcasters know who the other team is. We all know this because you see these teams enough times. You sure. see their players enough times. But like if I use soccer as an, as an example, mm. if I go to do a Whitecaps game, I will, they will send a representative over from the visiting team mm-hmm. over to our broadcast booth. And if I need to, they will sit and go through every single name with me and make sure that the pronunciation is perfect. Right. Through, if, if I want that. Yeah. So the option's always there. Right. Right. We yeah. offer the same thing. A lot of teams are, are making it a digital um, uh, they're they're granting digital access to this sort of thing, right? So they have the players just all pronounce their names, and then I can just go on to Sound uh, SoundCloud and listen to it. Ah, and you can, yeah. Hear, and hearing a f- a person say their name is a great deal different than looking at a phonetic. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So there's there's an enormous amount of prep that goes into this. Right. Tons. Right. Tons. And if you're like, from what I do, I'm a PA announcer, so I'm. My role is different. If you're like a play-by-play broadcaster, mm-hmm. the work is significantly more. Yeah. You have so much more to know because you have two teams, right? So you're, and you're calling action at the same time, wow. right? Wild. Yeah. What a wild, like, is, is there, is there like, do you feel some adrenaline whilst you're going through it? Like. All the time. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm worn out at the end of a game. Oh, I bet you're, you're, you're Yeah. You're done. Yeah. You're done. Cause if you're, there's a level like. Everybody knows you don't go crazy, yeah. but you can, you can be passionate For sure. right? and it's good to be passionate because yeah. the fans follow the passion Absolutely. Right? and the fans want to hear that if you're interested, it certainly helps them be interested. Yeah. There's right? a bit of an so, emotional journey that kind of goes along with it. Yeah. And they want that connection. Yeah. So, okay. So talking is such a big part of your professional world. Do you ever find that you're just abs- like when you, when you say in those moments where you're just absolutely spent. Like, are you, do you want to go home and like, Hey, how was your day? Like chat it out. Or do you need like a, a kind of a decompression chamber my, of silence? My favorite thing at the end of rugby sevens is I get to come home and my wife will say, how was it? And I'll say it was good. And then she'll know that she can just pretty much tell me everything she needs to tell me. Cause I, yeah. I don't have a lot to share at that point. Right. right? I, I don't need to go into detail. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to hear the detail. Yeah. She might ask how Canada did and mm-hmm. I'll tell her, Oh, Canada did. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm okay just being a set of ears all of a sudden. Yeah. It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. For at, the sure. end, at the end of a baseball game, at the end of a basketball game, at the end of a hockey game or a soccer game, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I can usually, I, you're not super worn out. Right. Right. Uh, rugby sevens is just different because it's significantly more over the course of the day. It's right. just significantly longer. And do you also find that because there's a personal connection to rugby, like you get maybe a little bit more emotionally invested in it because you played? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. So is your wife a sports fan? No. What about your kiddo? Is Max a sports fan? Yeah. 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 yeah Max likes to, he likes to go with me. He really yeah. likes, Max likes to go with me. And Max has been fortunate to do the starting lineup for the Canucks. Oh, I worked okay. at, I worked at Canucks Tampa Bay game yeah. and they asked if Max wanted to come in and do the starting lineup one day. Cool. So he did it. Um, Olivia, my daughter, she's nine. She did the starting lineup for the white caps. Cute. Yeah. On, uh, they do like a youth appreciation night. Yeah. That sort of thing. And they asked, they said, uh, if, you know, if she'd like to, we'd like to have her in. Yeah. So. And just careful. He's coming for your job. I think. That's fine. <laughs> I've told everybody. So the, the next generation is just waiting. You yeah, know, we're we're grooming him at this point. So. I mean, yeah, he's well. You're the Michael Buffer to his. Do you, Max, do you like Max is sitting off screen? Do you like what your dad does? Yeah, he does. Okay, would you ever consider doing that? Maybe he says. 
All right. Well, both kids are voice actors. No way. Yeah, Have you yeah. done some cartoons or something? Not yet? The cartoon we're hoping they did, he and his sister did a, an episode of a cartoon that's not coming out yet. Okay. I can, we can share it because we know yeah. the, the actual name of it is Shaq's Garage. Shaq. Yeah, yeah. Like, with, with Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, and, Matt Hoffer. This is a cartoon for you, sir. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Rob Gronkowski. Oh, fun. It, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to come out 2023, so this year. They, they pushed it back last year. Yeah. They did a whole episode together, the That's two of them. so cute. Did yeah. you like that? Was that pretty fun? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Just feed him some steel wool. And yeah. Some whiskey, yeah, exactly. right? I yeah. was just going to say yeah. some whiskey and some hot wings. <laughs> Um, <gasps> but both of my kids do it. Max did a, Max uh, just recorded a job for YMCA Greater Toronto. That's actually. so cool. Good for you. Put yeah. him to work. Absolutely. Yeah. Get him, get him, get him young. When he says it's going into a special account for your education, go, uh-huh. <laughs> right, mom? That's where it goes, right, mom? <laughs> so he's, Max is filming this so he can show <laughs> the mom what dad does with him. <laughs> Yeah. That's a shiny watch you got yeah. there, Dad. Dad, is that a Rolex? <laughs> no, we've told them every we don't let them spend that money. Yeah. So he and his sister, they they've done they've done okay. They've yeah. done pretty good for themselves. And uh they are actually in the midst of a six month acting course right now. Cool. Yeah, we put them through acting courses Fun. and and really try and, and push them in the right direction and give them some some uh, a few more layers. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then, and the, I mean, like there's, again, they're in that tourist phase of life of like, try everything, explore everything, right. see what right. you like. Right. And that'll continue. I mean, I'm 34 and still going, um, you know, and that's, that's a valuable part of life. The amount of skills and tools and experiences you learn by just trying your hand at different things, I think is so cool. And so One key. of the things that I learned and you mm -hmm. say things like you're 34. Cough, cough. Right. I will be 52 this year. No. Yeah. In October, I will turn 52. Wow. And I didn't, we didn't have Max until I was 40. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to broadcasting school until I was 30. Right. We didn't have Max until I was 40. Age is really just a number. Like it really is a number. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. We put so much emphasis on when we're supposed to have things done. Mm. And I'm sure that if I'd gone to broadcasting school 10 years earlier, I probably wouldn't have gotten a job working in the radio industry right away. Yeah. Interesting. Having my son at 40 changes who you are. Yeah. Right. And I would have been a totally different dad if I'd had him at 30. Yeah. So. Such a good way of looking at it. So what happened before then? What happened before those, those the thirties where you kind of got into what, what were you, what were you doing and what did you think you were going to be doing? Everything that was possible. Right. Okay. Right? I did all sorts of weird jobs. Uh, I worked as a security guard for a while. I worked in construction for a while, right. you know, searching. Just, yeah. Searching. Yeah. Trying to find that one thing that you really like to do. I, I worked as a, a commercial high rise painter and painted a whole bunch of high rise buildings downtown outside. Basically you know. Tom Cruise and yeah, you know, in but, Mission Possible, but not not without the paycheck. So yeah, wow, unreal. So okay, so no problem with heights then. Uh, now I I ever since my children were born, yeah, I like, have hell no. <laughs> I have significant I have a significant change in the way that I view heights. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've yeah, been yeah. seeing all these like uh, stuff on Instagram, like where these these like breakdown like comedy videos where it's like stupid ways to die or something. And I feel like right. that that's probably a decision. You're like, hmm, maybe not. Yep. Maybe not today. Yeah. yeah. When I was younger, it was fine. I was totally fine. Like totally fine. But ever since having kids. Yeah. yeah. 
Totally okay. just, it's like a preservation thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. You have other lives to contend I with. I think so. Yeah. Right? When you're, when you're solo, you're just like, it's me. Yeah. So who cares? I'm going right? to wheelie on my motorcycle up to Whistler. <laughs> what do I care about me? Yeah. Oh my God. I have other humans There's to other care lives. for. Right? Yeah. So, um, what's your favorite sport to call? That's tough. Cause hockey's so much fun. <sighs> hockey's the best. Hockey's so much fun. It's so involving and it's so fast. So and fast. It's so exciting. But... And some of the last names, you got all the Chucks oh, and the best skis yeah. and the Europeans yes. and the, yeah, there it's, um, it, it's, it's funny because I love rugby sevens mm. because it's such a challenge for me. It's a huge challenge. It's three days of really intense work for, for me for three days, but I love Always it. Always talent boot camp. Yeah. 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 I, I love it. I really yeah. love it. Um, Oregon soccer, Whitecaps, yeah. uh, 25,000 people respond when I say stuff. And yeah. that is the very first time I said a player's name and the crowd responded with their last name. I had, I had bigger goosebumps than I think I've ever That's had in my entire so life. Cool. It's the neatest thing uh, when there's just this collective. Yeah. That's the, that's the best descriptive word I have for it. When there's this collective that comes together like yeah. that, it was amazing. It's an amazing thing. I've been doing this for seven years. Right. I cannot wait for Saturday Whitecaps home opener is Saturday. I cannot wait. There will be 20,000 people in that stadium. Wow. And I cannot wait for the response. It's so cool because soccer really does have this culture that's sort of like, kind of like mobby, you know, in the sense that they've got their songs and their chants and their calls and answers. It's like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. Like sports edition, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's throwing toast and yeah. it's a whole thing. Rice so that and must squirt be, yeah, guns yeah, yeah. And That must be really fun is that, that particular sports audience. They're really involved. Right. It's not, it's, it's very similar to lacrosse. Lacrosse is fun like that too, mm. because in basketball, there's like music going and like, it's a party. Yeah. Basketball is right? kind of a, like, it's kind of like, it's like the lounge club. That's like, everyone's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, you got your best gold chain on and you're sitting back looking like yep. it's the cool. Yep. Like, it's kind of sure. like, yeah, Matt, Matt Hoffer right now, sitting back looking cool. But, that's NBA to me. But my favorite, like favorite sport, if, if I was given an opportunity, somebody said to me, yeah. you know, to call a game, probably hockey. Yes. I'll be hockey. Yes. Yeah. I just, I've, I spent 14 years, 15 years working in hockey. Yeah. And it's, it's in you. Yeah. Like it's really in you. Oh, it's so right. fun. And, and hockey, their, their whole fan squad is really interesting too. They're so emotional, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's like, they're like falling over them, them, themselves <laughs> for their team. Yeah. And then as soon as the team's behind and there's like nine minutes left in the game, everyone's out the door. Oh, like yeah. bye. They're long gone. Like, yep. see ya. Yep. Well, especially here, because if I go and watch one of my home team's games, like if it's the Flames, like those Flames fans are basically getting kicked out of the stadium after. Oh, we are oh, yeah. white knuckling it to yep. the last possible seconds, whether we're two goals down or eight. <laughs> Everyone's like, there's a chance, you For know? Sure. And I, I remember uh, over Christmas, I went to like a battle of Alberta and watching them play the Oilers and yep. just, it's a whole thing. I actually oh, yeah. much prefer like an Alberta hockey audience to a BC hockey audience. That whole, uh, I lived in Calgary for five years. Did you? Yep. And that whole battle of Alberta. Oh, it's a thing. It's a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. Like it's not just a thing. No, it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah. Right? Like there are fights and yeah. all yeah. kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's it was, aggressive. It, it was, there was, <laughs> it was funny cause we were, it was actually the fart. I hadn't realized I hadn't actually been to a game in the Saddle Dome in ages because right. I haven't lived in Calgary for, you know, going on 16 years or something. Right. So I'm like, you know, buying seats and I, I bought what I thought based on 
our stadium where this and it was way the hell up there right but the, i mean honestly the the view was great there's nothing in my way right i mean it wasn't but it was quite like when you sit, stand on the stairs at the top you're like falling off the, it's it's yeah the it's way the saddle dome's yeah. built like that it's, yeah. it's got a high you have a moment it. where you feel yeah. like you're uh, uh, washing windows on the top of some building like you know you feel you yourself have leaning forward. Yes, yeah. yes, it was crazy. But then there was other, so there was an Oilers group of guys that was, must have been a stag or something. And right. it was like, you know, eight guys in their hard hats, like Oilers fans. And just ev- all the shenanigans that went down between the Flames fans and those, that stag party was hilarious. And that's I why I love hockey. Yeah. And I love the hockey energy from the, from the fan standpoint. No, for sure. And very different from a boxing. Oh, yeah. Crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, very much so. Boxing's also very much seen and be seen, swaggery, like yeah, dress nice, come yes. out for an event, an evening, an experience. You put on, you put on your dress and you come out. Yes. and it's a thing. Yes. Oh yeah. You go to MSG and you go to the undercard, and it's twenty percent full of just right. average, you know, people yep. seeing their yep. their friend who's had his third pro fight that night or something, you know, no one's really there and you'll get people that have spent extortionate amounts of money rolling in for the co-main and the main and that's it. Right. And it's, uh, it's like this entrance, you know, you got velvet suits and sunglasses and top hats and all that kind of thing. And it's boxing is such an interesting and historical culture of that, that sort of like it's, it's high class kind of high roller Vegas style feel, oh yeah, which just separates it so much from different other, other fans, you know, cause I, I would say like your soccer fans are a little rough around the edges, you know, especially in the UK yeah. or in Europe. Yeah. Right. Um, like, or Ooh, at least that's the energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but then boxing just brings a whole nother crowd, especially in the States. Like oh, here yeah. it's a mixed bag, you know, you'll get oh, all yeah. sorts of people, um, every walk of life, but in, in the States, it's a whole thing. Like if you go to LA or New York and you, you see a fight, it's like, okay. Yeah. Again, you go for an event, Yes. right? You're, you're, you're putting in the effort to look your best so you can feel good at this great event that you're going to, yeah. right? You go in and afterwards you're talking to all your friends about it and that's what perpetuates it all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. So give us your take on the, huh? what I did there the takeover uh give me your favorite fights favorite fighters your experience with it talk to us about how that was for you um it was great um it's a it's a you guys run a really nice clean organized event it was really great um the the matchups were phenomenal I I you know again I I would I would I would be well I I wouldn't be I was gonna say I can see the the banner behind me, so I was I was probably going to have a bit of a hard time with some of the names, but mm. uh, I'm fortunate enough that I can kind of you know sneak a peek in behind you every once in a while. Uh, Benit's fight, yeah, uh, terrific, um, very dominant, very very dominant. Um, uh, Jordan Doby looked terrific. Um, trying to think what else. Red, of course, you're you yeah. know he uh, he he. He had very, he had reached, uh, he rather, he had a very, uh, like a formidable opponent in that last fight. He was well-matched I think he was tougher than everyone expected him to be. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Even Rhett kind we're of, wow, yeah. then we're in for a fight tonight. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And he kind of turned it up a notch when he felt he needed to. So yeah. um, it was, it was great. The energy from that crowd, that small room can be, that it, it feels very large in that room when mm. you suddenly pack Full, like it you did. pretty intimate. It yeah. felt really, really nice. It's a, it's a good venue for boxing. Um, 
but something tells me that you're going to be good enough that that won't be big enough. Thanks for joining us on the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm Don Andrews, the Golden Voice, signing off, and we'll see you at the Takeover 2, The Uprising, March 25th. Thanks for tuning in to the Empire Boxing Podcast. A huge thank you to our partners at Sting Boxing. It doesn't matter if you're into boxing for fitness, as an amateur, or as a pro, Sting has something for you. Head to their website, stingsports.ca, and use the code EMPIRE10 at the checkout to receive 10% off. Make sure to listen, follow, and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube.
sure to listen, follow, and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube.